Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. So God's the one who, in his love for all people, he takes care of people, even people who don't follow him, even people who don't love him, even people who don't serve him. He does that simply because of who he is and who we are, creatures made in his image. So that's what we would call common grace. God has common grace for all people. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian resumes his teaching on Jonah chapters 1 through 2. Now here's Pastor Brian. The other extreme, and this is more common, is to just never see God's hand in anything and just sort of chalk it up to, well, I don't know, it just happened, or um, I don't know, it's just luck, I guess, or I don't know, you know, fate led me here today, or uh, things like that. No, God is active in our lives, and we should think in those terms. And when we are making decisions, not about what you should have for breakfast necessarily, but when you're making decisions about what you're doing with your life and what you're doing in service to God and all of that, We need to be seeking the Lord and recognizing that God does intervene in our lives. Just like he's intervening in the life of Jonah here. He's intervening by sending a wind. Who would have thought that this wind that suddenly kicks up and this storm that comes, this is actually God doing this because of this one guy. So, We need to get our worldview from the Bible because the tendency is so often to just get a naturalized view of everything because that's the world we live in and that's the way everybody thinks around us. So let's not do that. We don't want to go into the fanatical realm where we're mistakenly thinking God's leading us to do every little thing, but... We don't want to be at the other end of the spectrum either by any stretch. And so all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah, here's a really interesting thing. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Man, this guy's in a real state here. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Another of God's interventions. God's going to expose who the problem is here. The lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? 
What is your country? From what people are you? (laughs) They're really quizzing him. He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. See, Jonah doesn't think that God's only the Lord over this little bit of geography. He understands who God is. And now they're terrified. This terrified them, and they ask, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? I wonder why they asked him that question. I mean, he's, evidently he's convinced them that he is the problem. So what, what should we do to you? And he then, he says, pick me up and throw me into the sea. And it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they couldn't. For the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. Wow. Now, I I think Jonah's response, it's interesting. I was reading one commentary. And so, you know, what are we to do? Jonah says, throw me overboard. That's the solution. And one commentator, he said, now look at Jonah. His his heart is so, you know, he kind of sees Jonah right here as a type of Jesus. He's got, one man's going to die so everybody else can live. <laughs> I mean, that did happen with Jesus. I do not think that that is in Jonah's thinking process. Because <laughs> we're going to find as we go further in the story, even after he goes through this an incredible ordeal, he's still got some issues. He's still a bit of a reluctant prophet, to say the least. But I think Jonah is just, he's just resigned. Like, I'm not doing what God said. So here's the answer. Throw me overboard. It's fine with me, because I'd rather go down and die in the sea than go to Nineveh, where God was trying to send me. So Jonah is is a stubborn person. Now, it says, at this, the men greatly feared the Lord. After the sea calm, they feared the Lord. They offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Here it is again. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, this, of course, is the most famous aspect of the story of Jonah. This is what we even know Jonah for, mostly. And this would also be the most controversial and the basis upon which 
many, many people would reject this story as being true. So there have been people, skeptics outside of the church and skeptics inside of the church who have just said, this didn't happen. This is a fable. This is an illustration. This is a story that's just teaching a bigger lesson, but there's no historicity to it. And the root reason for that conclusion is simply this. Those people do not believe in the miraculous. And since they don't believe in the miraculous, this obviously would have to be a miracle, and therefore miracles don't happen, so this didn't happen. But we have to remember that Jesus... He used Jonah as an example. Jesus seemed to think that Jonah really was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish. And I don't think Jesus was just buying into the thinking of the time like some people would say. Oh, well, everybody thought that, so Jesus just went along with what they thought and used it as an illustration. That makes Jesus complicit in spreading false information, which I just refuse to believe that Jesus did that. Oh, this really happened. This really happened. Now, notice the Lord provided a huge fish. So again, number one, the Lord provided. Now, somebody took this, a rabbi, an ancient rabbi took this and said, basically, (laughs) from the beginning of time, God created this fish and he was just waiting for this moment. (laughs) <laughs> this, is, this is what the fish was created for at the very beginning. Now, I think that's a little rabbinical exaggeration. I don't think that's happened. When, when it says that God provided a fish, it means that God brought the fish to the place at the time that he needed the fish to be there. Now, we commonly think of Jonah and the what? Whale, right, Whale. And people have gone to great lengths to show why a whale couldn't have done this. And other people have gone to great lengths to show why a whale could have done this. And there's even been stories of people that were swallowed by whales. And I mean, there's some pretty big fish in the ocean. I I don't see that there's any real big problem with a big fish swallowing a man. Now, of course, the bigger problem is the man surviving that. (laughs) And some people actually think that Jonah died and that he went through a death and resurrection kind of a situation. And some of the language that he uses that we'll see in a minute, it it, kind of seems like it might be saying that, but then it doesn't necessarily say that. But anyway, so just for the record, I believe that this happened just exactly the way it says it happened. Was it a great white shark? Was it a, a nurse shark? Was it a uh, some sort of a blue whale or, you know, was it a big giant sea bass? Who knows? It was a big fish that swallowed Jonah. And... He was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From the inside of the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, 
he said. So notice, I mean, Jonah has had now a bit of a change of heart. He's, he's decided to pray at this point, which is a good idea. From inside the fist, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. So based on this and a few other things, some people say, look, Jonah actually died. Well, this is poetic language, so it doesn't necessarily mean he just, it felt like he died. I mean, three days and three nights in the belly of a fish that's going down uh, to, to the depths as being described here, you would wonder if you were dead or not, I would imagine. He hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. Wow. The roots or the base of the mountains, to them I sank down. Now, this is really interesting because at this time in history, underwater exploration was limited to say the least. But you know what's under the ocean? Mountains. <laughs> Just a bunch of mountains. And here, Jonah is actually describing going down to the base of these underwater mountains. I, always, I like these little things that just kind of appear here and there. But you, Lord my God, brought, me, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. So Jonah cries out to the Lord. And then here's the key verse in this chapter. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Or another way it's said is those who observe worthless idols or worship worthless idols, they forsake their own mercy. Many translations read that way. Uh, the King James is great. It says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But the idea here is, is clinging to something that cannot save you and refusing to let go of it for the one who can save you. And the one who does that forsakes their own mercy. To hold on to idolatry is to turn away from God's love. Now, you know, the truth is God loves everybody. And even, even those who don't know him, God loves them. And God wants to bring them into an experience of his love. That's what he's working to do. 
Remember John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. God doesn't love us just when we get right with him. God doesn't love only the righteous people. God loves everybody. But those who refuse to get right with him, those who cling to their worthless idols, they prevent themselves from entering in and experiencing that love. Now, the love that we're talking about here, God's love for them, in some ways, we have to think in terms of um, the different ways that the Bible talks about God's love. And here in Jonah, we're gonna, we see, as, you know, we're only going to do these two chapters tonight, but we'll do three and four next week. And, and what we see, though, is we see that God loves the Ninevites, even though they're wicked. But he still loves for them. He still loves them. They're his creatures. They're human beings made in his image. So he has a love for them. And that love might be called more properly, as we think about it, it might be called God's common grace. See, remember Jesus taught us that he said, your heavenly father makes the, uh, it, it rains on the just and on the unjust. So God's the one who, in his love for all people, he takes care of people, even people who don't follow him, even people who don't love him, even people who don't serve him. He does that simply because of who he is and who we are, creatures made in his image. So that's what we would call common grace. God has common grace for all people. Now, the deeper love that we experience when we put our faith in this God through Jesus, then we would call this special grace. So we've become the recipients of special grace, this grace that has brought us now into a place, not just where God is providentially watching over us and kind of guiding the affairs of our lives and, and that sort of thing, but no, where God is very specifically involved. So Jonah belongs to God in the special grace category. That's why God's dealing with Jonah in this very intimate way, in a very direct way. So sometimes we kind of get a little bit confused about, you know, we think of, of certain people and we might think of them as being evil for whatever reason. And then, but then we see that they seem to have a fairly good life and even their society or their nation or even their civilization, everything seems to be okay. And sometimes we think, well, how come God just doesn't judge that? Well, that's the common grace of God. That's just extended broadly, universally to all people. And when this story is over and the Ninevites turn, they're not turning necessarily into a covenant relationship with Yahweh like the Israelites had. They're coming back into a place of God's common grace because they've turned away from those things that are um, highly displeasing to him. So... Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. There's that passage in um, Jude, and it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. 
Keep yourselves in the love of God. So God loves us, but we can put ourselves outside sometimes of that place where we're experiencing God's love. It's not that he stopped loving us. You think of a parent who has a child that they deeply love. They deeply love this child, but this child has made choices to say, I do not want your uh, interference in my life. I don't want you trying to tell me what to do. I don't want any benefits from you or any blessings. I don't want you anywhere near me. I am, I'm out of your life. Now, any parent that that's ever happened to, any good parent, any person who's normal, is heartbroken because they deeply love that child. But the problem is the love they have for that child, they cannot bestow it upon them because it's not allowed. And so that's what happens with God too. Keep yourselves in the love of God means keep yourself in that place where God can keep doing all that he wants to do. Don't put yourself outside of the blessing of God through disobedience to God. That's what we can even do that as Christians. We're still in the covenant relationship, but we can put ourselves outside of the blessing because we've decided to live our own way, do our own thing, and ignore what God has told us to do and how he's called us to live. And in doing that, we turn away from God's love or we turn away from the blessing or the mercy. And in doing that, what we're doing is we're clinging to worthless idols. Worthless idols. Idols are anything that takes our heart's affection and becomes the main thing that we're living for. And anything that becomes that, no matter how good it might even be in and of itself, when when a good thing becomes the main thing, then it becomes an idol and it becomes a detriment to us because idols are worthless. They cannot do what they promise to do. They can never deliver on their promises. They can never bring the happiness, the fulfillment, the contentment. They can't bring any of those things to us. They're worthless They look good on the outside, and as long as things are going all right, they seem okay because, hey, everything's going good. Maybe my idol's even helping everything go good. But once things start going, start spiraling downward, you can cry to that idol all you want, and it can't do anything for you. And Jonah, he's clinging to a worthless idol. He's talking about himself. And what is the idol? The idol is just the idol of his own self-will. I'm going to do things my way. I don't need to obey God. God doesn't know. I know better than he does. And now let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource. Hi, Pastor Brian here, and I've got a book that I want to offer to our listeners this month, and it's a book by Jared C. Wilson, and the book is entitled The Imperfect Disciple. 
And what a great book because all of us are that person. We are all really that imperfect disciple. But the subtitle is Grace for People Who Can't Get Their Act Together. And I think so often we sort of feel that way. But what we need to know is that God is for us, He's with us, and He's going to help us. And He has promised us grace so that we ultimately can get our act together. So I think this is going to be really encouraging. So we'd love to get a copy out to you. Just request it here from Back to Basics, The Imperfect Disciple by Jared C. Wilson. Again, this month's resource is a book titled The Imperfect Disciple, Grace for People Who Can't Get Their Act Together by Jared C. Wilson. You can order the book The Imperfect Disciple by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give the gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, The Imperfect Disciple by Jared C. Wilson, to help you experience God's grace that has the power to transform anyone. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Jonah. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.